Well, good morning. It's good to see you all. You doing well? Well, sort of well, yeah. It's getting cooler. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And it was so much fun to see uh, so many of you and your kids, your grandkids at, uh, uh, fall, at the fall festival the other night. That was uh, great just to get to hang out with uh, some of you and visit and stuff. So um, I am wrapping up this series uh, that Ryan and Stacy uh, started, Beg to Differ, and just uh, looking at this thing of like, what do we do? How do we handle these moments where, uh, where there's differences or where we struggle? And the thing that I want to focus on this morning is uh, how do we operate? How do we move forward when, when the thing that we beg to differ over is like there is some issue, right? There's some issue uh, that sits between us. And oftentimes when it comes to like these issues, whether it's like a political issue or a theological issue, um, oftentimes... Uh, we'll react in one of two ways. Uh, sometimes we react with like, okay, we need to draw a line somewhere. Somewhere, like we need to take a stand, draw a line, like there's, there's something here. Or we feel somebody else doing that on something and we're like, hey, 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 what is with all the line drawing around here? Like, it's just like, you know, back off. It's, you know, it's my life, right? And and we come at this thing, and, and there are all of these issues uh, that we can get pulled into at different moments. And, and if you have felt that, right, which I think we all have, there's this realization. It's, it's not just something that's happening in our little circle or just in our family, right? It's, it's, it's happening all over, all over our country, all over the world. And, not, and it's not a new thing. I think sometimes maybe we feel like it's a new thing. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things out there, okay? But when you look back through history, you realize we, we have always struggled. And now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus this in and just say, even we in the church have always struggled with issues that, that want to that wanna divide us, that want to pull us in one direction or another. That, like that's, that's not going away. Um, in the New Testament, right, the church is brand new and they've got lots and lots of issues. And we're going to be looking at a passage out of Romans. It's actually Romans chapter 14. If you brought your Bible, we're going to uh, be looking in Romans chapter 14 in a little bit. Um, but uh, Paul, who wrote Romans, is going to work through this in this fabulous chapter on this. And he's going to talk about three issues that were issues that they had. And I want to just give you a, a really quick rundown on that. Um, he's going to use the issue of drinking. So there's this issue where they had people that felt like, no, like this is wrong. And he's writing this to, uh, to Christians in Rome. And so for some of them, they would have seen the abuses of alcohol. And so there were some of them, they're just like, this is wrong. Um, and of course, he's writing this uh, to groups of people that like they grew up with this and it's a part of life. And it's like, what? No, this is not wrong. Um, he uh, talks about the issue of celebrating uh, certain holidays. And so many of their holidays, um, as our hours oftentimes, are connected to different spiritual things. And uh, many of those spiritual things it was like connected to pagan worship or something that wasn't necessarily centered in Christianity. And so you had people that said, we shouldn't participate in that. And other people that just say, no, like it's like anything else and like it's okay to you know, get together with uh, our friends or go celebrate that in some way. 
um, and we're not worshiping that other God. And it's still fine for us to do that. In some ways, and it's becoming less and less of an issue in our day, but like um, Halloween, like Halloween's right around the corner. And that has been one in our culture that sometimes gets thrown in this. And then there's another one uh, that is probably not super similar or one that we wouldn't necessarily relate to a whole lot. Um, and that is uh, eating meat sacrificed to idols. So like if you go into the, your local grocer, you probably don't go through, you know, where's the discounted idol worshiped meat, right? There's not that category. Um, but what they had was uh, you had all of these uh, like different temples and uh, different religions and oftentimes would use uh, meat or other items as a part of the sacrificial process. But then when they were done with it, the meat would still be good and it could be sold um, and oftentimes sold at a discount. But you had Christians that were like, no, it would be a sin to eat meat that was a part of worshiping. And I mean, it was part of the actual worship of another God and other people that were just like, you know, the cow didn't know. It's no, who cares? We can eat this, right? Um, God knows my heart. And they had these differences on this. And, and you know, they, we see a lot of other things uh, that in the New Testament times and in the Bible that were what Paul calls disputable matters. He calls these disputable matters. And throughout Christian history, there have been tons of them. Um, how baptism was to be conducted became a very disputable uh, matter at different moments. Um, trying to determine, you know, when Christ would return and your theology on that has been a disputable matter. Uh, to things like uh, music and theology, um, um, uh, even uh, how to dress or defining what any one particular sin is or isn't. There are all these disputable uh, matters out there. And so when you think about a disputable matter, let me give you a working definition uh, for just as we talk about it uh, this morning, and you'll see it um, when we, a little later when we look at this passage. But uh, a disputable matter is any issue in which two or more Christians um, out of a sincere faith dispute what is right or wrong. Um, and what you'll see here in a minute with Paul is uh, this is about any two Christians out of a sincere faith. What this is not, okay, and I just want to be real clear on this is not, uh, is there someone who says, you know what, I, I, you know, I know that's wrong. That's a violation of my conscience, but I'm just going to exercise, you know, grace or something like that, and I'm going to do this anyhow, uh, knowing that I think it's wrong. That's not what he's talking about here. What he's talking about is when two Christians sincerely just think differently about something. They read the same Bible, the same Jesus is in their heart. They've just arrived at a different conclusion on something and they have strong opinions uh, about this. How do you work through this? So he talks about this a little bit. Um, turn with me to uh, Romans chapter 14 and um, I want to read verses five and six and then we'll come back and look at verses uh, one through four, but uh, look at verses five through six. He, he, as he sets this up, he says, one person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. And a phrase he's gonna use throughout this is this idea of freedom. So one of these people feels more freedom to do this. One person is saying, no, that's kind of off limits in this, right? Uh, each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. 
Because this is about a sincere faith. This is what they, they believe uh, sincerely as they study scripture and follow God in this. He goes on, verse six. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord. For they give thanks to God and whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God in this. So you can see this thing. There's one person who says, I think I have freedom in this. And another person says, no, this is off limits uh, to me in all of this. And what's interesting here, and you even see it here, uh, but you're going to see it even more clearly as we unpack this chapter, is Paul breaks with conventional wisdom on how to handle a disputable matter, right? There's this conventional way for centuries and centuries and centuries that we go, we just instinctually jump to this when it comes, how do we resolve a disputable matter, right? And in short, it's like we jump into, I'm going to convince you mode, right? I'm going to give, I'm going to jump straight into this thing and I'm going to give you all the reasons why I believe what I believe expecting because I'm going to give really good reasons because I know I'm right. I'm just going to expect that you're going to change your opinion about this. And how's that work for the last several centuries? Yeah, just, I don't know. For some of you, go back to last Thanksgiving, right? Got the whole family there, extended family, Democrats and Republicans, and you get into that discussion, right? And everyone goes into the convince you mode, right? And, the, and they go into this thing. How did that work? Like before they cut, you know, you know before you cut open the pumpkin pie, everyone's just like, ta-da! Tomorrow, we're all going out and re-registering for the Green Party because we're united, right? Yeah, <laughs> probably, probably not. In fact, the chances of anyone in your family, right, changing their opinion in a major way probably didn't happen, right? It like it's, you know, research shows, right, in our own families and friends, we rarely change people because we jump in and a, I'm going to convince you and I'm going to argue my point and I'm going to push on this or try and hold you to this that it will actually change you. And what Paul does here in this passage is he doesn't ask us to solve disputable matters by trying to prove our point or convincing the other person. Now, what's interesting, though, is um, I think Paul struggled with this every bit as much as we do. In fact, um, it's one of the things I love about the New Testament is, is you, get to, you get to know the authors in this thing and you can just see that like this would have been a struggle for Paul. And yet, even though this is, would have been a struggle for Paul, he, he actually guides us in a very di- different kind of way that breaks conventional wisdom on all of this. Um, that, that as we struggle to draw lines, or, or to demand that someone else not draw lines. He's saying there's actually a different option, a different way to walk this uh, out in this. So look back at uh, chapter 14. Oh, and let me tell you this too. Um, I want to look at two challenges he gives us. So as we, as we think about those disputable matters, 
He's going to give us two challenges right here at the start that I want to look at, but then woven all the way through uh, chapter 14 are several principles, kind of guiding principles. And I want to look at two of these guiding principles that will actually help us live out these challenges uh, that he uh, gives here. But look with me, verse uh, one, and we'll read through it and then we'll look at the two challenges here. He says this, he says, accept the one whose faith is weak. And notice he starts right off with, this is about acceptance. I want you to accept the other. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. And there he's talking about these disputable matters. Verse two, one person's faith allows them to eat anything but another's whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted them in this. So he walks this out. So let me, I, I want to look at, there's two challenges in this that I want to uh, look at here. And these are not easy. They're easy to say, and I think somewhat easy to understand. But, but actually walking them out is hard. The first challenge is this. Accept those who exercise their freedom in ways that are disagreeable to you, right? There's going to be this moment for every one of us that there's going to be someone who's going to have freedom in something that we don't. There's going to be something that we say that's off limits. And they're like, no, it's not. I don't believe that. And, and what he challenges us to do here in this moment is regardless of whether or not we think it's off limits, we are to accept them. We're not to make this disagreement a reason why we shouldn't accept them in this, right? Look back at the end of verse three again, what he says. The one who does not eat everything, right? That's, I believe it's a sin or it's off limits, must not judge the one who does, right? Just because I think it's off limits doesn't mean um, that I get, to, I get to hold my conviction against you in a way that would judge you. I'm actually being asked to just let you have that in that moment. And this gets hard, right? I remember, uh, and this actually uh, was a couple decades ago. There's a young man that came and uh, was talking to me after one of the services. Uh, it was his, I, I'm almost positive, it was his first Sunday here, and he was struggling with some stuff. And, and I could just tell that, like, he had struggles in life. He was, so we started talking, he was probably in his very early 20s, but he looked, and he honestly looked like uh, he was, like, in his 40s or late 40s. Life had been tough on him. And as we talked and he worked through these things, there were just some things that he started sharing and started coming out that were things that for me, I was just like, whoa, okay, I, I need to talk to him about that because like that, that's one of these off-limits kinds of things. Like this, he uh, talked about a, a struggle with uh, drugs, uh, in particular meth, and a very uh, promiscuous uh, lifestyle. Um, he had become HIV positive. And he walked through all of these different things. And, and as he walked through these different things, and like in particular, like the thing with the meth, like I could tell we had disagreements with this. And, and as we talked on, and it really started with some conversations we had after that very first Sunday, there was a part of me that's like, okay, I, like I, he needs to know these things. I need to tell him these things. Even though I knew like he kind of had a different belief or opinion about it. 
And an interesting thing happened in that is I was kind of lining up the, like, here's what I need to tell him about this. It was like that still small voice of God just was like, "Mm, hold off on that. And I'm like, okay, God, I'll hold off on this. And then it's like, okay, next conversation. Okay, now it's time. And I kept experiencing this thing where it was like God, like, pushing me off of that. And it was it just like, uh, like, Glenn, I want you to let the conversation go someplace else in this. And I actually started to struggle with this. Like, I struggled a little bit with like, okay, maybe I'm not understanding God right in this thing. And maybe I need to go like back and, and like, because this seems really obvious to me. And I remember going back to this very chapter. Romans 14, another uh, passage I used was out of 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And those two passages actually became really life-changing for me in the years that followed, actually, as I struggled and wrestled through applying this scripture passage, this entire chapter, to walking through this situation that I was in. And and part of what troubled me uh, in all of this is I read this first these opening verses and I was just like okay but God like why like there's a thing here and I know like I really believe I'm right about this and this and then there was one verse right here at the end that we just read and I'm going to go back and, and look at it again that really was a little jarring for me but really good for me and and it's because he says why he tells us why it's not my place to judge him off of my conviction against what his conviction is. Um, Look back at verse three, and and he explains why. Um, And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted him. And that just threw me, because part of my mindset was like, okay, these issues, either, it's one way or the other. It can't be both. Either I'm right or he's right on this thing, and I think I'm right, and like, and it's, and, and yet without saying my opinion was wrong, right? This isn't even, it's not even about meth or drugs, right, in this passage. It, this statement that Paul says, God's accepted him, and that's enough. And it pulled me back into this thing where I really had to wrestle with this thing. I was like, okay, so God, if in some way you've accepted him, I, I guess I can back off. It's not like, I, like okay, what does that mean? And it, and it changed how I approached this whole conversation with him. It got me out of this other mode that was the, you know, like the I'm going to convince you mode. And it put me in a spot where I felt a little uncomfortable and a little vulnerable, but it was actually really good for me. And maybe one of the ways I would describe what happened to me through this process was it was like God started to knit my heart to God's heart in this. Like with every conversation that I had with this young man, like it was like I started seeing him in a way that I hadn't seen him before. There was something about backing off from not judging or forcing my conviction that allowed me to see him suddenly in a very different way in all of this. 
And I started to understand his story more. Um, he, had, he had had a lot of partners. Most all of them occurred between the ages of like 13 and 17. And virtually all of them were against his will. And he became HIV positive, I think, before his 14th birthday. And meth, like all of a sudden, he's just trying to cope with hurts and wounds that I can't even begin to imagine. And all of a sudden, me to start talking about rules, about meth and drugs, this is a no-no, and this, like, when, like, I, all of a sudden, I just was just like, it got real complicated all of a sudden. And my little world of, like, do we draw lines or no lines, where all of a sudden, I was just... And God kept bringing me back. It's like God was just saying, do you see this young man? Do you see this young man? And all of a sudden, it's like God was saying, I want to do something beautiful in his life. And my heart started to change. But it didn't really start to change until I could step back and kind of struggle through where Paul was saying, hey, maybe it's not your place even if you are right to put your judgment on him. You know, there's something about when we can back off, our heart gets knitted to God's a little bit and we begin to see what matters more. And the thing that comes out of this chapter that is so beautiful is how people matter to God more than the issues do. And we lose that, don't we? So that's the first challenge. Second challenge. Second challenge is this. Do not condemn those who have less freedom of conscience than you. So this is kind of the mirror image of this one, right? So uh, look back at verse 3. Look at what he says. Uh, beginning of verse 3. He says, The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. So if you're the one and you're like, I've got great freedom on these issues. I, I don't have any problem with this. Um, it, what he's saying is, okay, and you also don't get to treat the other person with contempt because oftentimes the way we think of this is we think about, okay, this is really a chapter about there's one group and they're kind of judgy and they don't have any freedom. And then there's the real nice sweet group and they don't, right? They're not the judgy ones and they have all the freedom. That's not what we're talking about here. What, what he's pointing out is you, you, you can, there can be an issue where you, for you, you're saying this is off limits or you can be at a place of saying, no, I have freedom in this. And either group can get kind of judgy about this. Um, and I've experienced this, right? And, I've, um, it, and it's humbling to say, but like I have. Um, many of you know this. I grew up and the way I grew up, right? The message from the church and everything I heard and on the issue of drinking, right? Paul brings up the issue of drinking. Let me tell you, I heard about that growing up and it was off limits. It was off limits to everyone and that was just the way it was right I grew up with that and then all of a sudden as I got older and started studying the Bible a little bit more I started running into passages that maybe didn't weren't, weren't the passages that were always shared with me in my childhood um, just for kicks let me let me share one with you because this this one was like whoa okay when I read this one for the first time um, this is found in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter uh, 56, verse 12. It says, come, each one cries, let me get wine. 
whoa, crying out for wine. It goes on, let us drink our fill of beer. And I'm like, beer's even more sinful than wine. I don't know why, but I know I was taught that, okay? It's just, it's, it's just, whoa, our fill of it. Um, and tomorrow will be like today, just like, or even far better. And I was like, well, no one had me memorize that in vacation Bible school. Mm, that wasn't on the list of memory verses, right? Yeah. I'm like, hmm, right? And then I started, right, as I got older, I started running into other Christians. Christians who loved Jesus just as much as I did. Christians who um, studied scripture and were passionate and, and just as fascinated about scripture as I was. And they had a different opinion about drinking than me. And it's like, huh? And I had to wrestle with these verses and I had to wrestle with other Christians that were different than me. And I remember kind of going through these different stages on my little journey. It was kind of like, started off with like, yep, that's off limits for me and that's off limits for you and everybody else. And then all of a sudden, I remember there's a time I was like, you know, that's definitely off limits for me, but I can see how that'd be okay for someone else. And then there was kind of this uh, time where it's just like, whoa. Me, and I, like, with great trepidation. Maybe it would kind of be okay for me, even. Like, whoa. Like, it's, and, you know, and now I can say, I think it's okay for me. I think it's okay for you. If you think it's okay for you, right? It's like, but here's, but I share that with you because here's what happened. Is I went on that little journey. It took a lot of years to go on that little journey, too. Um, I found that as I moved on that issue, it was easy for me to look back on people that were in the place I was just in and get really judgy about them. Like, oh, well, you haven't read Isaiah, have you? Just, and let's just wait till we get to Jesus making water into wine. Yeah, drop the mic. Yeah. It's just like, and it's like, but the reality is what I was doing, right? I was turning around, I was turning around and the very thing that, that, right, that was done to me, I was turning around and out of a little bit of arrogance doing that to someone else. And it was still out of that, I'm gonna prove it to you. I'm gonna, and, and, and again, if I'm really honest, as much as I thought it's about the issue, and I, there was something to that. It was also maybe a lot about me trying to find a sense of security in my own faith in a weird way that, was, was, that I was putting on the issue. I was trying to prove something that was more about trying to find a kind of security in my own faith rather than journeying with God with whatever that was that was going on in me. And so he makes this challenge to us. And, and, and I'll put it this way. Don't draw lines for people who draw lines. That's what he's saying. Don't draw lines for people who are drawing lines. If you don't like them drawing lines, don't draw lines for them. Give them room to live out their faith journey in this. Now, those are two hard-to-live-out challenges, aren't they? Right? We, we can all say this, but I can also say this too. Man, 
when I run into it in the real world with friends or families or strangers or, or over the issue, like, like what's the issue for you? Like, think about this for a moment. What, what is the issue that all of a sudden you're like, yep, I got lots of passion about this one, right? Maybe it's a political issue. Maybe it's a spiritual or theological issue. Maybe it's a behavioral issue or some way that you think about, like, this is how Christians should behave. And it's just realizing that probably there are other people who love Jesus just as much as you do, who love Scripture and read and follow Scripture as much as you do, and they're just at a different place. And it can be so hard not to go into that um, I'm going to convince you mode. So how do we live out these two challenges? Well, there are two guiding principles um, that, that I want to just unpack a little bit. And, and I want to encourage all of you to read chapter 14 on your own sometimes. It is a remarkable chapter uh, for times such as this that we are in. Um, and what you'll discover is these two principles are actually what Paul just just so beautifully weaves these principles in throughout uh, this entire chapter. They just keep popping up. So he makes these different challenges throughout, but he keeps weaving these principles and a few others. But, the, but these uh, two principles uh, I, I want to unpack for you. So here's, here's the first uh, principle in this, and it's this. Real simple. Do no harm. Do no harm. As you seek to walk this out with, with others, whatever that issue is, do no harm. Um, look at verse 15. He says this. He says, if your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. And here's the thing. And I'm going to quote Paul from chapter 13, the chapter right before this. Love does no harm. And what he says is, if you're exercising your freedom or you're drawing a line in a way that causes your brother or sister to stumble or does harm in their life, or like, then that's not love. You're not living out love. Love is supreme above any issue that we're trying to navigate or work through in, in this. And love does no harm. Um, he goes on, do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. And those are strong words. He says, you know, we can get into this judgy thing and you can destroy someone through this. This can be crushing. And, we, and, and part of the reason is because we, we always see it at the surface level. It's, it's about the issue. It's about the issue. But I, like, if we're honest, is it really just about the issue? It's not, is it? Because whenever we get into these issues, we bring intensity to it. We break community over it. We say judgy things. Like we, we bring all of this energy into it. You know why? Because it's more than just the issue itself. There's something deeper there. And that deeper thing, when we get judgy, we can destroy a life. We can hurt people at deep, deep levels in all of this. Uh, one more example of this. And again, th these aren't the only two examples in chapter 14, but another one, the beginning of chapter of, of verse 20, excuse me, he says, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food, right? Don't, don't, don't draw a line. Don't draw a line for those who draw lines over any issue 
no matter how much you think you're right, because whatever the issue is, it doesn't matter more than the work that God is doing in that person's life. And yet, we can harm in these moments. You know, that young man, I just, I wrestled through this with, with God on this because it just, in fact, there was a moment where I was praying to God. I was like, God, like, if I don't start telling him some of these things soon, he's going to start believing these things about me and this and like, and I just, and without realizing it, I was admitting to God, this is really about me on this whole thing. And I started getting into this thing and again and again. And as I wrestled with this passage and I wrestled with it in prayer, it's like God kept saying, just like, Glenn, hold off, hold off, hold off. And as I did, like something interesting happened. One Sunday, one of his foster moms showed up from way back in his uh, childhood. And he didn't even grow up in Arizona, um, but she showed up here and she came and she talked with me after a service and she said, you know, I gotta tell you, I was like so worried and nervous when he told me he was coming here and was talking to you. And she said, because in his past, he has out of his worry and fear and shame has tried to talk to other pastors and has gone to other churches. And she said, I know they meant well, but they crushed the life out of him to the point that like, when he first came here, he stopped believing in God. And she, started, and she said, and she shared some of the things that they said, right? And as she's sharing these things, they weren't like mean, awful. They weren't like, you know, you're, you know, the, you know, you're a sinner from the pit of hell and God hates you. Like it wasn't hell, fire, and brimstone. In fact, as she was sharing some of the stuff, I was like, well, that sounds kind of like what I would have said. I just like, I was just like, that was like well said and, and tried to make it nice, but to the point. And as she shared some of those things, I realized, like, had I not been like wrestling with Romans 14 and had I not really tried to be sensitive to what God was saying in my spirit, I would have, I would have crushed him. And it may very well have been this was his last try at trying to walk through some of this stuff with a pastor or a church. And it was like this wake-up call for me that, that then in my sense of trying to be right on something and prove it, I can damage something that's far more precious to God. It's a human life. It's the work that he's doing in all of this. And so is a general, it's is just kind of like a principle in this. Do no harm. As, as you engage in these conversations with a Christian brother or sister on an issue, Sometimes it's as simple as just asking yourself the question, okay, if I say this, if I walk this out, am I saying this in a way or am I saying something that, that it's going to harm them, that's going to judge them in some way that shames them or does something, that draws a line that feels like I've ruptured relationship in some way. It's just, it's finding that way of saying, how do I seek a kind of understanding to move forward? Um, that does no harm. And you know, maybe the best way to do no harm is to start with a simple question. God, what are you up to? What are you trying to do?
Let me understand that. And that leads to this, sec- this second um, kind of a guiding principle in all of this. And here's the, the second guiding principle that comes out in chapter 14. It's this. Everyone has their own spiritual faith journey with God, and it's not ours to control. Everyone, every, every one of us is on a different journey with God. We're all in a different place in our faith. God is choosing. There are things that maybe God is working on in my life that he's not working on in your life. There, and, and if I just assume that God's working on the same thing in your life and I just butt in and just start pushing on that with no idea if God's working on that same in your life, like, that's not fair. Or maybe there's something that I'm completely blind to. God knows it and God's like, yeah, I just haven't gotten around to that with Glenn because there's a lot of things to work on with Glenn and it's going to take some time before I get to that, right? And I just need the grace to let God's timing be God's timing in my life. I love what he does with this. Look at verse 14. Look at verse 14. Here's what he says. He does something unusual that he doesn't do very often in this chapter. He says this, verse 14. He says, I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. This is his opinion about this issue of uh, eating meat that's been uh, dedicated to idols. We don't get his opinion on these issues hardly at all through chapter 14. Just, it's, it's not the focus of it. But here he does for a real important reason. And he tells us, he is fully convinced. Here it is, right? Here, here's the universal truth on this. This is what Paul believes. He's just like, all of that meat, it's clean and you can eat it. Don't worry about it. It's just, right? You know, the cow didn't know it was, you know, involved in worship. You know, who cares? It's good. You're not worshiping that other God. It's okay, right? He, he kind of presents it. This is his opinion. But look what he does next. I love this. Um, he says this, but if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person, it's unclean. Because where they are in their faith journey, to be sincere and honest with where they are with God and what they believe and what they're seeing out of Scripture, it's a sin for them. And he says, it doesn't matter, right? And the point is, there may be some universal truth uh, that all meat sacrificed for idols is clean, but that's irrelevant if someone in their own heart goes, that's off limits for me. And Paul's saying, just let that be. Let them be on their own journey with God in all of this. Um, And now that makes us a little nervous on this, doesn't it? Because it's kind of like, is Paul being, is he saying that like there's there's something, you know, there's, it's relevant? Like the truth of this whole thing is relevant in this whole thing? And what I'd say is no. I, I don't think that's what's happening. We tend to think of this in terms of, you know, is, you know, is, you know, are you going to stand by truth, this truth, or are you going to get into this all relevant, weird stuff, or like, what's the, those are categories we create, and what I love here is Paul is saying, there is a third way that I want to pull you toward, because actually, either one of these aren't very helpful in the end. There is a third way that he's pulling us, and it's this, faith in Jesus. Let Jesus be our guide. And if 
in faith, if as you study scripture and in your faith relationship with God, he's leading you to follow that, obey that. And all of a sudden it pulls us past these other things. And all of a sudden it gives us freedom where our lives don't depend on us figuring out every single disputable matter and getting every disputable matter correct. We don't live under that pressure. We should see that as relief because what we get to come back to is we're good with God. And we, and like to be centered in Christ that's the direction. Paul is pulling us back to that. It's not about drawing lines or drawing lines for people who draw lines. It's about following Christ in faith. You know, the young man, um, as I started working with him more and more, and God started changing me in this whole thing, and as I started to see more of this thing that what God was doing in his life, because it really did, it started becoming the same. I was like, okay, God, help me understand what you're trying to do in his life. Because I want to see if I can join you, if I can get behind that. That's what I want to be doing. That's, that was kind of the little journey God had me on. And there was this moment where, um, because of the meth, it just messed with his immune system and being HIV positive, it, his immune system tanked. And he, uh, he got sick with something and this fast, he was in the ER and it looked like he was going to die. And I thought we were going to lose him. And I, and I've got tears because I didn't understand how much I was coming to love that young man and how much he mattered to me. And even though there's like these things that we didn't see eye to eye on, something happened. And I realized how sad I would be if he died. And, uh, he recovered, and he, and, and I remember when he first got out of the hospital, and he and I talked again, and I told him, I said, you know, I, I said, what can I do to help you? And at this point, he was kind of in a different place with the meth thing, too, and he's like, he knew he had to deal with this thing in a different way, and I just said, I'll do anything to help you with this, because, and here's what I told him, I said, because this could kill you, and if it does, that would break my heart. And it would have. And my tears are because I didn't know what that moment did. It wasn't, it, so here's what happened out of that. He got sober. And I had seen him get sober at different moments. But he was sober for a day, for a week. And then a week turned into another week. And a week turned into a month. And a couple months turned into a year that turned into another year. And like he got sober, sober. And he and I were talking about it uh, one day. And I was just like encouraging him. I just said, dude, this is so amazing. And he said, you know, I didn't understand it at the moment, but he said the turning point happened, a couple of things happened. And he said, and they happened at the same time. And one of them was with you. And I said, with me? Because I'm thinking the whole time, all I'm doing is like biting my tongue. Okay, God, I won't, I won't like, I won't tell him this is like. And he said, one of the things was with you. And I was like, really? And he said, yeah. He said, I didn't know anyone would ever be sad if I died. And when I realized there'd be someone to be sad when I died, he said, I just, I don't know. It gave me something to live for in a different way, and I felt connected to you. And it made it easier to stay sober. 
And I share that because sometimes God wants to work through us just in different ways than what we think. And the way he rarely works with us is when we're trying to be right, right? The way God works with us is when we get real humble at moments because we're just like, God, I don't have you all figured out in this moment and this feels uneasy, but I'll just try to do the loving thing. And you know, here's the truth. I look back on this and as much as I'd like to say, wow, God used me a whole bunch to change that young man's life, the truth is God used him to change me way more than I ever changed him. That's the truth. God softened my heart. He makes me look at you and everyone else as human beings and not things that are supposed to follow rules and not things that have to measure up to something, but something treasured by God and to build, right, like you are loved by God and to build a community where you can come and be pulled into a kind of life that constantly centers you, not in religion, not in rules, not in what you have to live up to, but centers you in one thing, Jesus Christ. Because if that happens, you're going to be okay because he's got you. And then to buttress around that, I want you to be, right? If you're centered in Christ and now these values of acceptance and freedom and love are the things that you receive and live out of, my gosh, like God's gonna do amazing things in your life. And part of it starts when we Right In those moments where there's going to be disagreements, and you're going to have disagreements with me and me with you and with one another, but there is a way forward that keeps centering us back into Christ where we honor the faith journey of the other, where we actually help one another and we don't crush one another. That's the life that we should all have as a part of our church and our family, right? That's what we want. So let's stand. I've gone long enough uh, here this morning. Um, let's stand. And if you're a guest here this morning, what a delight to have you here. I, I hope that God uh, touched you in some way this morning. I'm going to be right over here by these uh, tables. I'd love to shake your hand. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe you've been here for a while and we've never had a chance to meet. I'd love to meet you uh, as well. Let me, let me pray and I'll let you go. Father, I just thank you for your scripture and I just thank you for how you inspired Paul to write chapter 14. And, and may we pick up the challenge to live out what it means um, to find that acceptance for one another, even when we don't agree, Father. And we pray this all in your son's name. Amen. Have a great Sunday. See you next week. <laughs>